Welcome to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. We interview great guests who inspire you to overcome obstacles and achieve your goals. Be sure you visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started. The title of this interview is Exploring the Language of Your Emotions, the Language of the Body. My guest is truly a fascinating character. His work is an interweaving of Eastern and Western philosophies with a wide range of business, professional, and personal experience. He is a native New Yorker, the son of a captain in the New York, New York City Fire Department. He graduated from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, with a degree in political science and was an officer in the US Navy. He went to Japan to study Noguchi Sitai and Aikido. He is a fourth degree black belt in Aikido, and he was one of the few foreigners in Japan to be certified as an Aikido sensei. He has studied extensively and worked with John Grinder, Judith Delosier, and Stephen Gilligan. And if you know who those, those people are, you know who they are. And he is a certified trainer in neurolinguistic programming and Ericksonian hypnosis. He has coached, consulted, and conducted business in Japan, the United States, Nepal, India, Italy, Russia, and Korea, to name just a few countries. His clients have included multinational corporations and small businesses, CEOs and private individuals. He's a long-term practitioner and student of many forms of mindfulness, psychology and health disciplines, including Sitai, uh, I mean, Seitai, Siki Jutsu, Yoga, Self-Relations Therapy, Gestalt Therapy, Feldenkrais, Alexander Techniques and more. He had the good fortune to study and collaborate with many exceptional consultants, healers, martial arts, coaches, and therapists. A very impressive resume. Unfortunately, it's all a big lie. Just kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Charlie Badenhop. Hello, Charlie. Hello. Good day. I'm morning, your evening. And yes, well, you have to, you should put in that I'm 72 years old, so... I've had enough time to do all of those things. And yes, I've just basically, I've been on a quest for my whole life. And what I would do is find who I thought was the best teacher in a certain discipline. Like for instance, because I'm old enough, I actually studied with Moshe Feldenkrais many years ago. Awesome. You know, like people say to me, Oh, I'm, I'm a Feldenkrais practitioner. And I say, cool, I actually studied with him like 35 years ago and they look at me cross-eyed, you know? So uh, I've studied with some great people. And so I would find a person, I found John Grinder, Judy Delosier. Uh, I taught with them extensively as well as studied with them extensively. Same with Stephen Gilligan, uh, studied with him extensively, taught with him extensively. And, you know, it's, Things have things have happened, and in fact, for the time being, for the last six years, I'm actually living in Thailand. That is awesome. How did you wind up there? Well, you know, I had this answer for from the beginning, but now it makes an, a lot more sense to me. I said to people, I wanted to get away further from the center of everything, and and the thing is, the province that I live in, which is up in the hills or low mountains of, of Northern Thailand, we have had virtually almost no COVID at all. Now, the, the, the prefecture, the area went into a big time lockdown, uh, no restaurants for a while and so forth and so on, but almost zero COVID. So that's really felt like a blessing, particularly when I speak to some of my friends in New York City and such. So. Anyway, 72 years old, done a lot of things. And um, tell me what you'd like to hear today, please. Well, Charlie, you're really only here because you're from Staten Island, like me. <laughs> okay. 
No, I'm very into self-development. Indeed, self-help coaching uh, is all about that, but not just. It's also developing yourself from the teachings of people like yourself. (laughs) Uh, And I want you to talk about mind-body concepts of health and well-being. But first, let me say how, let me let me say how I, I first met you. I first met you at one of the NLP centers in New York. I think it was Sean Carson's place, him and the other two, um, and uh, in a workshop. And you blew me away. You, you know, with your the with the how emotion is stored in the body, and it's and you don't even realize the depth or the effect of it. But you illustrated that and blew me away, the demonstration you gave, how it's there, (laughs) invisible, seemingly invisible, but very tangible. Uh, And that was just the beginning of the the fascinations I I began to have with the stuff that you teach. Okay. Uh, You know, what I say is the, the intelligence that orchestrates your system or the the whole self, you know? Uh, I don't think, I don't think for me, I don't even think that part of me knows that I have the name Charlie. (laughs) And I don't think it really knows who Charlie is and and chances are I don't really know who Charlie is either. (coughs) So, What happens is we're born and we have no verbal language to begin with, but we're highly intelligent and we are certainly communicating with our caretakers the entire time. And, but you know, when we're smiling, when we're kind of Googling, giggling, so we're doing a lot of communicating and it's very similar actually I have a right now I have a new puppy it's a Jack Russell Terrier which are very expressive dogs love them and dogs absolutely understand tone of voice totally. and you know living here in 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 Thailand I, I love to jokingly tell Thai people and they get a bit confused I say you know this dog is only a puppy, but it already understands both Thai and English. And sometimes I even say, and better you, better than you on the English. And they look at me like, not sure what I'm talking about. So if I say something like, oh, come here, sweetheart, you know, kind of thing, the dog comes to me in English. <clears throat> if I purposely make some distance from the dog and I say to it in Thai, my Thai is not great, but I can speak Thai. And I say, what are you doing? The dog puts its ears down and and looks like it really did something wrong. And I say, see, there you are. So when we're babies and then we start to get older, we very much understand um, tone of voice, inflection, speed of voice, whether someone says stop that or please stop that, all of that. And the body, in order to do these thousands of things that it's doing every day, your body has a language that it speaks in to your quote unquote self. You know, it doesn't say put out some more uh, serotonin, I'm not feeling so good, but it communicates in a way that's as at least as complete as your uh, verbal language and your verbal grammar, and you yourself completely understand that, completely. So what I'm saying is that your whole self communicates to you continually in a language that is number one, not at all verbal. And number two, that you've never been taught by anyone on the outside. So your native language, your mother taught you, your father taught you, your siblings taught you, 
your, your school teachers taught you, but the language that your body communicates to you in, you've never been taught by anyone. And I think what's really, really interesting then on top of that is it's not, it is not a community, it is not a language that you can communicate back to your body in. <laughs> it's unconscious, but it's understood, but it's not a uh, dialogue. Well, let me put it this way. Something happens over there. Uh, I get a little bit of adrenaline that comes out. And, and then I look around and go, no, nah, everything's okay. I don't know how to consciously put out or retract hormones and electrical activity, nerve activity, to give that communication back to myself. Right? So my, my, uh, the part of myself quickly puts out adrenaline. Thank goodness for that. If it didn't do that, I most likely wouldn't be here today which is, let's call it a warning signal. And then when I check, and in this instance, I find out that everything's basically okay. It was just whatever happened out there for a moment, maybe a car backfired or something. I cannot communicate back to myself by using hormones and nerve activity. Right. And therefore saying Oh, that's, it's okay, Charlie, and that kind of thing. Okay, that's, I don't say there's anything wrong with that, but that's almost never a communication that's going to make a big difference in the way that you feel. Right. That ver verbal self-talk is uh, something we've learned from the external, but it's not our true language. Yes. So. Fascinating. You know, like I lived in Japan for 30 years and my Japanese isn't great, but I can speak Japanese. And now I'm living in Thailand for seven years and, and my Thai certainly isn't great, but I can speak in Thai. And what happens often is I'm going along and I can speak basic Thai. And then I just run into a concept or a word that I've never heard and I have no idea what it is. And I can't say it to the person, you know? And sometimes I'll just mimic something or whatever. So to realize so much of what I would like to communicate to myself, I don't know how to communicate in a way that myself can truly understand that. <laughs> Isn't it awesome? And, and, and I think slowing down and breathing more fully are the two, just thinking here for a second, I would say the two best ways to communicate with the self. And of course, in a, in a pleasing tone of voice, but slowing down so there's more space in between everything breathing more with a greater capacity for oxygen you feel more relaxed and capable okay here we are absolutely charlie let's just take a moment to hear to hear a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back with charlie badenhop in the language of the self and the human experience this episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. Perficio learns more about you as you make progress and then uses that information to help you even more. It is quasi-AI. Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can be helped by something that learns more about you because that is the difference that makes the difference. Okay, you're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with Charlie Badenhop. He is captivating me with the language of the self, which is really personal and immediate, it seems to me. <laughs> Can you continue, please? 
Okay. So what happened for me that was interesting and really <clears throat> set the course of my life from the age of about 32 or so onwards is I started studying Aikido mainly because I was having a lot of problems with my legs and stuff, a lot of pain in my legs, um, even having trouble driving with the pressure I had to keep on the gas pedal and everything. So someone, a therapist actually suggested you really ought to try Aikido. I said, okay. And I liked it right from the beginning. And then right about the same time, NLP was first really coming out in the world. So I don't know, John and, and, and Richard and stuff have been fooling around with it, I'm sure for at least five, six, seven years, but for people to really start hearing about it was pretty much exactly the same time I started studying Aikido. So what happened was I'm taking all of these Aikido classes and I actually moved to Japan to get a better idea about Aikido. And I studied with a, a brilliant man uh, by the name of uh, Koichi Tohei, Tohei Sensei. And at the same time, I was going back and forth. I was just, I was in about a four year period of just studying. I, I wasn't working. I had saved money from businesses I had sold, a business I had sold. And so I was going back and forth doing maybe, well, I don't know, 20, 30 days a year of study with John and Judy and other people and also Aikido. And what I started noticing was a lot of what John Grinder in particular was doing was exactly the same uh, as what my teacher Tohei Sensei was doing. And what you talk about. <laughs> you know, and, and I was, you know, I'm sitting there going, there was a couple of times where I said, I said to myself, oh my God, John just did this two weekends ago in, in Boston. And so they had this amazing way of creating like a hermetically sealed space around them and whoever they were working with, totally engaged in the person and in the moment. And they had a belief structure that made it really difficult for the client to fight against it in any way. And things would happen. Things would happen that normally didn't happen. Like I remember once John had a guy that was very disappointed in himself because he had lived in Spain for like seven years or something and spoke no Spanish. He claimed. John didn't believe him. John said, I don't believe you. Sorry. I'm not calling you a liar, but I don't believe you. Got this person in a certain rhythm, asked him to just close his eyes. John pointed to a lady that was a native Spanish speaker. She started speaking to this guy in Spanish. She started replying to her in Spanish. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of experience at this point in hypnosis and stuff. And even now, looking back on it, what did John do? He didn't do some canned, that's right, take a deep breath, blah, 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 hyp hypnosis thing. Right. He just got the person, helped the person to feel so good while at the same time entertaining what was previously a problem entertaining what was previously a problem right and sort of saying starting out by going well gee you know and i wonder what it would be like if you could speak spanish but don't do that now don't do that now sorry don't do that now and take a deep breath or whatever and then and then it happened you know so that's very much what we're looking to do in aikido and when I started teaching with John and Judy, John would be teaching, for instance, reframing, which is taking a negative belief and turning it into something positive. And just out of nowhere, John just looked at me and, and said, Charlie, I'm sure you know something about reframing through Aikido. Why don't you come up here and teach us something? <laughs> and I was a bit like, oh, and I went up and I did something that 
seemed to make sense to people and it worked well. So John used to say that Aikido was the nonverbal explication of NLP. And I don't, I'm not sure if I remember or not the, the time that you saw me and, and, and the effect that I was having. But one of the things that I would do often and still do, I would bring someone up to the front of the room. I would adjust their posture in a very subtle but important way. And people would quite literally significantly change right there on the spot and have all sorts of capabilities that they always had, but somehow were blocking prior to that. And, you know, one of the things we fool around with in Aikido and other martial, pretty much every martial art, is we we make these these uh, it's called a kiai, you know, like sounds. yes, power sounds you could call it. Although it doesn't have to be a sound, you can do it internally. And when you're doing that, you break the board and do these other things, which I've done, which you know they're interesting, but they're not quite as big a deal as they look when you watch someone do it if you've never tried. And then you realize at some point that that energy, that spark is inside this person right now. And if they could let it out, oh my goodness, it would be amazing. They would be amazing. So then part of the idea of the work becomes how do I help bring that spark out in the person? And I don't mean by telling them they're wonderful or whatever, but anyway, there's a way to do it. And all of a sudden, the person's feeling important. And that's a lovely thing. And you know, something Stephen Gilligan fairly often used to say, he would do a lovely piece with someone in front of the room Used to, used to look pretty much like classical hypnosis or Ericksonian hypnosis anyway. And the person would come out, back out, and every, everything was all rosy. And everybody thought, oh, that was such a lovely session. And some people, even tears coming down their face. And then Stephen would look at the person and he would say, sorry to have to say this, but I hope you know that what we accomplished here won't last. <laughs> And Pete, the first time I ever heard it, I heard this is what I heard next. <gasps> that is people, people actually saying, How could he say that? Hasn't he ever studied any NLP? You know? And uh, and for instance, Stephen used to love to say, you know, there was only one or two techniques in NLP for a long time, you know but we work with what we had. But anyway, yes, it won't last. Because when you go back off the stage and then you go back to your room and everybody's not looking at you and holding their breath and everything, life is different. That's when life really starts to happen. Right. You know, similarly, I had a coach once uh, and he told me, you're not gonna be the CEO of the company. You're, you're not the guy to be the CEO. Boy, that was the greatest thing I could have ever heard to prepare myself to become the CEO, <laughs> which I'm still in the process of doing. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's all belief. Yep. You know, I'd like to study. I mean, I enjoy certain athletics. Like I think American basketball is amazing. I enjoy American football. I really like to watch soccer. But what intrigues me the most is the psychology of sports. And I've worked with some, I've worked with some top athletes. I've also worked with some top, uh, like uh, opera singers and stuff. And so anyway, there's, there was a guy, now there's a guy that can supposedly jump, vertical jump from standing 42 inches. 42 inches. Is, That's like which 10 is, feet. I'm not good with math. Uh, 36 inches is three feet. Okay. 
<laughs> That's incredible. You know, so anyway, back a number of years ago, there was a guy that uh, I think it was David Thompson, who was known to, as they used to say, he could, he could jump out of the out of the Coliseum kind of thing. So they were studying him and he could do, I think, don't quote me on the numbers here, but he could do something like 36 inches, which is, again, already well beyond what anybody can do. And then they started running him down and telling him how many foul shots he'd been missing recently and and things like that. And, and by the way, you know, you were five minutes late for practice the other day and so forth and so on. And then without saying anything else, they asked him to do that, do your jump again. You know, and he could only jump something like 29 inches. Even though five minutes ago, he had jumped 36 inches. Wow. Because just that little bit of negativity yeah. got in there. Sure. And he wasn't able to perform as well. There are so many factors. You know, you mentioned Feldenkrais. You studied with the man. I, you know, I, I was introduced to Feldenkrais by the guy who was my acting mentor who introduced NLP to me, George Morrison, who blew me away, changed my life. Did, did you know who George Morrison? Did you know him? No. Anyway, uh, I, I put the book, you know, I, I didn't study it at first, but I picked up the book and resumed the study years later because I had sciatica. Boy, it totally, it solved it like nothing ever before. And it was about making these changes where I went, for, I had, I couldn't do anything, but by making, expanding my body and increasing the motions bigger and bigger, the, the changes became dramatic, but they were incremental, but ultimately they were yes. huge by little yes. things, little things at a time, but ultimately becoming a huge change. It was just incredible. Yes. Yes. Um, the body is incredibly wise. The body knows everything that we want and need. And it's, and it's capable of, of so many great things. And part of that requires that we get out of the way a little bit. <laughs> So, you know, something that I've mentioned to you building up to us talking, I have a model that says we all have four brains and five minds. Okay, so the four brains, the first brain is the somatic nervous system or what's called the enteric nervous system. Starts up in the throat area and comes down and it has a huge amount of nerve endings in the gut. And it turns out that all of the serotonin, all of the serotonin in the system is, is created and regulated in the gut without input from your uh, neocortex. Charlie, I wanna so, hear more about these brains and these minds and there's a number. So I wanna stop you for a quick word from our sponsor. And then I want to sure. hear about all the rest of these brains and minds. Heaven knows sure. I, could, I could use one of them. Okay, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. When Ben Franklin arrived in Philadelphia, all he had was 10 cents in his pocket. Despite this, he became America's first self-made man. Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O io to actually have the knowledge and principles of ben franklin transferred into yourself we're back with charlie badenhop and he's about to tell us about how many brains each person has and hopefully i have the one at least let's go charlie okay so the first brain is the enteric nervous system and or what's called the somatic uh brain sometimes and so what happens is all of the antidepressants that are out there on the market, every single one of them, as far as I know, and I don't follow this on a daily basis, but anyway, it's been true for many, many years. Uh, they're called serotonin. Blockers? 
No, serotonin anti reuptakes. Reuptake inhibitors. Right. Serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Thank you. I was blocking that for a moment. <laughs> so all of the all of the important thing to know is all of the antidepressants have to do with serotonin and the regulation of serotonin in the system. Okay. Your serotonin is completely the, the whole input and keeping it out the system and everything is completely organized by your enteric nervous system. This is ganglia, call it, of nerves that are really strongly in your, uh, particularly in your gut area. And that enteric nervous system is pretty much what almost every martial art is all about. Okay, so in, in Chinese, it's called Bantian. Uh, in, in Japanese, it's called One Point, Seika no Iten, and on and on. It's about cultivating the ability to sense and organize from your lower abdomen. Wow. I practice Ji Kune Do, and it's, all it is is practice, 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 but it's coming from the lower abdomen. That's what you're, that's what you're saying. You're, you're learning how to feel and activate what you're doing from the area of the lower abdomen. That's the cool. uh, So not, not from the brain in your skull, the brain in the, in the, in the near the gut. Well, the brain in your skull is also a brain. That's we can call that brain number two. That's your neocortex. I quite like my neocortex. I want to make very clear to you and the audience and my neocortex that I'm not putting it down by talking about these other brains. But it's only one kind of wisdom and knowledge out of at least four. So we have the somatic nervous system has to do with serotonin, has to do with emotion. So I say that emotion comes from the body and then we kind of comment on it from the neocortex. So the neocortex doesn't feel anything. It's just a commenter. You know, my, my mom, bless her soul, my mom, bless her soul, died when she was about 92 or something. And when people ask me what she died from, I always said old age, but she technically she died from brain cancer. And the doctor said to us when we first got her diagnosis, the good thing is she won't be in any pain because the brain doesn't feel anything. The brain is able to comment on what's going on and, and take some action, but it doesn't literally feel. Right. Whether that's feeling love or when you stub your toe and you're so goddamn stupid kind of thing, your, your brain and your skull doesn't feel any of that. Right. It interprets it to neurology and says, this is pain, but, yes. but itself, it doesn't feel anything. Right. So, so first brain, enteric, could call it also emotional brain. Second brain, neocortex. Third brain, and I'm numbering these, you can number them in a completely different order, of course, sure. is your mammalian and or limbic brain. So the mammalian brain, if nothing else, it requires us to have human contact. Human contact is not um, a privilege or an afterthought or whatever, or only if you have enough money, you get some human contact. Hopefully that's not the case. The mammal brain, the limbic brain requires human contact and not only humans, pets, you know, it requires contact, let's put it this way, with other mammals. And it's interesting, like, I've had friends that have pets that are reptiles and stuff. I never 
find myself interested in, in interacting with them, with that, that, that kind of pet. But whenever one of my friends has a pet that's a mammal, oh, this is a mammal. We know each other. I got six cats. They're like my children. Okay. Okay. So we have the emotional brain or enteric nervous system. We have the neocortex. We have the mammalian or limbic brain. The, uh, it's, it's the feel, it's, it's a brain that really needs to feel connection. Connection. And then the fourth brain is the reptilian brain. And that brain orchestrates breathing, heartbeat, swallowing, visual tracking, and the startle response. All involuntary necessities. Yes, and and you might notice I'm I'm looking over my notes here because it's a lot to say That's and not fine. and not miss two or three points of it. And you know what's really interesting uh, is that you you use the word um, involuntary brain, and a lot of people use that term. A lot, lot of what training in the martial arts is about. And it could also be meditational kind of training is making that involuntary voluntary. Absolutely. Well, making that involuntary voluntary. I find, you know, in my, you know, when I was doing a lot of coaching, whatever, in, in the change work, that's really all about bringing the unconscious into the conscious is where it's at with martial arts and getting excellence and overcoming obstacles and just becoming aware. Oh my God. That's, that's really the whole thing. Yes. So anyway, I think, I don't think that human beings are designed to just float along in life. This is my belief. You could find it limiting or not. That's okay. But you know, just, Oh yeah. You know, only every day for me is great. And you know, I'm just so in love with myself and life and my girlfriend and whatever. No, <laughs> I, I just don't think we're meant to live like that. We're meant to have moments of that. And those moments can be more than a moment, you know, but we're not meant, I don't believe we're meant to live like that. And I, I will say that I have yet to meet anyone that lives like that. So depending on what's going on, I might suggest to you that you, gee, Tony, you, you, you do some pretty mm, dangerous things. Maybe you want to pay a little bit more attention to your neocortex to be a little bit more rational. Uh, gee, Tony, you don't seem to have any friends or any connections with anyone. Maybe you should pay more attention to your mammalian brain or, you know, like that. So it, we, we keep on having the opportunity to notice what we haven't been noticing. And, you know, in Aikido in particular, when we reach a little bit higher levels of training, we realize one of the things we're meant to be doing is to think with our breath. Think with your breath. If you pay attention to your breath, you'll understand a hell of a lot about what you're feeling and doing. Let's just take one moment, a final moment to hear from our sponsors, and then we're gonna come back with our final segment and Charlie will be talking about breath. Okay. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Proficio, perhaps the most common method that coaches worldwide use to get undisputable results for their clients is NLP. Visit www.proficio.io. That's proficio.io, where you can make the changes you want and get the results you dream of. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with Charlie Badenhop, and he's, got, he's about to tell us more about breath and how uh, the way we breathe and uh, it affects the, our, our emotions and all kinds of great stuff like that. Okay, so I'll just say for now, and if you ever invite me back again, I could even, I could show you and your audience an interesting exercise or two about this, but that 
the better able we are to pay attention to our breathing, the better able we are to live fully in the world. And I have a, I have a longtime friend that's a coach and you know a lot of NLP background and stuff. And him and I get together at least usually once a week. And it's been virtual for years because he's living in New York City and I'm living currently in Thailand. And sometimes what we do is we just, we get on, we're both, you know, we say hello to each other and such, and then we're both just sitting there. With the idea being that based on how we're experiencing our breathing, please give a, a short statement about how you're feeling. Based upon how you're experiencing your breathing, please give us a short description of how you're feeling. So a person correlates their feeling with their breathing and now they tell yes. they, then what happens? Yes, because however it is you're feeling affects the way you're breathing. Mm. You see, when we particularly come from Western culture, and someone actually has to tell you, hey, Tony, you know, like if you breathe down into your stomach, you'll feel calmer and you'll be healthier. And you go, oh, gee, thanks for that. I never had any idea. That's because we're Western people and we believe, I think, therefore I am. Right. I don't know if that was Descartes or whoever said that, but it really led us off in the wrong direction. <laughs> right. You know, we'd be a lot better off with, I feel and therefore I am. Mm. So I find on a regular basis whew, I don't know why but I'm having trouble breathing today you know and then I sit there with that I'm talking about for instance these sessions I have with my friend eh? no leader in this session and I'm sitting there for a while I could sit there for a full minute or longer and just feeling into my breathing, not coming up with a hundred reasons that I've just made up. Sometimes I get a, a tear in my eye. Sometimes I start thinking about something someone said to me three or four days ago that made me angry whatever and i never have ahead of time i never have any idea what that's going to be sure and then like now i'm pausing and during these pauses, personally, I feel pretty complete. Yes. I'm no longer thinking, oh, but let me tell them about blah, 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 blah. I'm feeling pretty complete for the moment. I take a deep breath and I say, so I tend to talk a lot. I hope that hasn't been problematic today. I have a lot of enthusiasm about what I'm doing and what I'm thinking about. And yes, hopefully I've put out something of value. Wonderful. All from that breath and from those pauses. <laughs> so <clears throat> when you come back to your breathing, 
you come back to your deeper emotional state and you come back to getting closer to your deeper identity. Mm. The identity that comes before being the CEO or the husband or the, or the father or the whatever, what you're feeling when you're just there all by yourself, could be nighttime, could be sitting in the room with the lights out. And then hopefully I just add this, Hopefully, on a fairly regular basis, you're able to say thank you. Who or what do you say thank you to? That's up to you. I have a sense that there's a God in the world, certainly some form of intelligence that's much bigger than mine, thank goodness. Uh, and when I say thank you, I actually do it like this sometimes, Tony. I even say, so thank you for my daughter. Thank you for her mother. Maybe I say their names and such. Thank you for my friend, Fred. But I also say things like, thank you for that big business contract that I didn't actually wind up getting. Thank you for the flat I got the other day when I was a little bit late running to my appointment. And you might hear me or someone might hear me going, you're thanking the world for that flat tire? It's like, absolutely. Totally. I needed that. I had a, I had a situation about two months ago. Anyway, this, this kind of tough guy that works in this market came out. My, I had a problem with my car and he decided to help me. And he's become like my good friend now. And he tells the other people in the market that we're friends. And it all happened because my car broke down and he was able to help me. And he feels very empowered having helped help the foreigner, you know? So anyway, yeah, I try to say thank you for all of it. And certainly I'm saying thank you for today. And um, like I say, I hope I've been sharing something that will wind up serving uh, the people that listen to your podcast. Charlie, the stuff that you've shared with us has been fantastic. It's really, really warming me and I'm delighted in it. Uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. How do uh, people listening contact you if they'd like to do that? Well, Needless to say, I'm on Facebook, kind of have almost no choice. And my name is, as it's in Facebook, I'm a Charlie, I'm not a Charles. So Charlie Badenhop, B-A-D-E-N-H-O-P. The work that I do, the I call it a human uh, potential discipline that I created, is called Seishindo, S-E-I, S-H-I-N-D-O. So www.seishindo.org, O-R-G, org, O-R-G. So there's my website. It has an amazing amount of information on it. All exercises that I created, uh, stress management program, whatever. Those are the two basic ways. If you write to me and say, put me on your mailing list, of course, I'll be happy to do that. I don't do a lot with the mailing list anymore because at 72, I'm kind of, eh, you know, a little bit retired. Um, Does that, do, so, is there anything for people to look forward to that's new, that's going to come out or? Well, first, what I could say is look on my site and you could find enough information to keep you busy for the next four or five years. You got a great site. You really do. I love your site. Uh, and I put a tremendous, tremendous amount of work into particularly creating my, my stress management program. If you go to some of the videos and stuff, hopefully you'll go, oh my goodness. Uh, 
And I keep on somehow doing an iteration of that. But I have no grand plans for a new rollout of, of something or other. But I have, okay, I've created, I'm calling it a protocol for the time being. It's three exercises that are meant to be done one after the other that can have a huge effect on people's emotional state, also can be very helpful for losing weight, uh, to come to terms with anything that you've been wanting to do for a long time and have not been successful at. And that's a lot of what my, I, I, I'm still coach and I coach usually by Skype, but sometimes on Zoom. That's where a lot of my coaching rocks and rolls is I've developed this way that people can disconnect from their usual emotional response to particularly, I have great effect with people wanting to give up smoking. So uh, people could get that if they wanted to work with me. If you ever have any free time, I would be glad to do a session with you or someone else as part of the podcast. Um, but anyway, I'm around and, and um, I'm always happy to hear from people. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on. Um, would you like to say goodbye finally? Thank you for appreciating my work. Thank you for being the person you are. And um, so uh, goodbye. It's been a pleasure. Truly, I feel an affection and an admiration for you. Uh, and not just because you're on this podcast, because it was just delightful to converse with you and, and Thank you. do this. And um, remember, everyone, every one of us is responsible for ourselves and we can all use some help. Thank you for listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with Charles Badenhop. Charlie Badenhop. Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.